Wednesday night live stream that will turn into our, I think it's episode 28 or 29 on the podcast, Chris, so we're getting up in the... It's up there. We're getting up there a little bit, been doing this for multiple weeks now. We're honored, super excited, happy to be joined by John Vaughn, former Michigan running back. We had a chance to speak to him earlier today in like a big group setting, but, uh, you know, Chris was able to kind of connect with John through Chuck Christian, who we had on the podcast last week. And so this has just been another really cool opportunity to speak to someone who's far more qualified to speak on all of the stuff than either Chris or I are. And um, so, John, thanks for the time, man. And, Chris, I'll, uh, I'll kick it over to you, man, to kind of run the show again. Yeah, I'm Thank just going to echo. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to echo what um, – what Brandon said, you know, we're obviously grateful to have you here. I think that, you know, your story and the other stories that are being told are important right now. And, you know, you, you look at what's going on with Michigan football, and I just can't, I, I can't for the life of me find a, you know, a more important story than this. Uh, so we want to make sure that we use the platform to, you know, to allow you guys to sort of speak to your experience and what happened. Um, and Brandon and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand. So you were with the University of Michigan from 88 to 90. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Gator Bowl, January 1st, 1991 was my last game. That was your last game. Okay. So running back, right? You hold some records still at the University of Michigan, I understand, right? The, uh, the yards per carry still stands. Is that right? Yes, and the uh, first person <laughs> ever run for 200 yards in back-to-back games. There you go. So, yeah, so, I mean, those are, you know, pretty big accomplishments to hang your hat on. But, you know, you're also a dad, if I'm correct. Is that right? I am. All right, so your father, you're a human being. I mean, there's other aspects to you other than just being a Michigan football player. Um, and obviously, you know, you got the opportunity to speak today at the press conference. Um, and what we want to do is just kind of uh, – I guess start from the beginning, um, you know, your first experience with Dr. Anderson and when you, when you realized that something wasn't right. Okay. Um, let me qualify this. So my senior year in high school, my mother, um, late October, early November, got diagnosed with cancer, grapefruit size lump in her breast and had a complete mastectomy, lymph nodes, you know, and then started treatment. That was at the same time that I started getting recruited um, pretty heavily, but I was recruited to go to Michigan by Les Miles. And so Les Miles would come to the house, we would go to dinner, I would see him two or three times a month uh, because I was in his territory. So Les knew that my mother had cancer. On my recruiting trip, when I met Bo, because Bo had set out the, I think it was Hall of Fame game uh, for some heart troubles. When I met Bo in January of 1988, he asked about how my mother was doing in her treatment because she wasn't able to come on our recruiting trip. So fast forward to August of 1988, I come into Michigan and I go through my physical with Dr. Anderson 
here's all the typical questions, family history, height, weight, we do all that. Um, and then he says at the end of the physical, um, you know, pull your pants down. I want to do a testicular cancer um, screening exam. And then he finished with, he said, you know, lay down on the table, pull your knees to your chest. I want to do a prostate um, cancer um, exam. So mind you, at 18, my mother's already, I've left home. My mother's recovering from cancer. We don't know if she's going to live or die. She just had her body hacked up. And you're being asked to give, you know, take a test to see if you've got cancer. Well, at 18, I didn't know what a prostate was, but what I did know is I didn't want cancer. I was terrified of cancer. And so I thought this was status quo um, of coming into, you know, going from high school to college. And these were just the typical exams that you were, were received. Okay, so that sounds a lot like um, when we had talked to Chuck, he did, you know, he, he assumed that although it was uncomfortable, you know, he thought this was just, I think, to, to quote him, how things were done um, at this level, right? He, he had never, you know, had that kind of exam before and just assumed that he was at the University of Michigan. They must be giving him the best care, and this is just how things are done. Does that, I guess that's similar to what your experience was at the time? Absolutely, and one of the selling points in the recruiting process was we have the best education, we have the best medical, we have the best food, we have the best everything, we're leaders and best, we're Michigan, we do it different. So you're already starting to be groomed and brainwashed and gaslit that Michigan is different. This is not gonna be high school. Um, what a lot of people don't understand is once we got to Michigan, we could no longer see any other doctors but Dr. Anderson unless it was like orthopedic, but everything went through Dr. Anderson. I never saw my childhood pediatrician again once I went to Michigan. Okay. So it was mandatory of any medical treatment from strep throat, food poisoning, you know, twisted ankle, you know, whatever, you know, migraines. I thought I was getting an ulcer. All of those treatments involved going to see Dr. Anderson and you just thought that he did a very complete physical exam because they always um, centered around or they all ended with a testicular cancer um, screening exam and a prostate exam. Okay. So I guess that leads into the next question. Um, you know, during the press conference today, you had – um, acknowledge that this had happened to you at least 45 times, I think you had said. Um, and yes. again, we're, you know, we're playing devil's advocate here. So the, the question that comes up is, you know, how could somebody go back to Dr. Anderson 45 times knowing that, that this was kind of his MO or this was what he was trying to do? Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, that's the thing. We didn't know that at the time. Okay. Um, it wasn't discussed. It wasn't talked about. Um, I, I made the comment this morning that I didn't want to go to the dentist and I didn't want to go to the doctor. And that was a lifelong thing. And so, but when you're at Michigan, 
Like they beat into your brain. You come to Michigan as a boy, you want to leave as a Michigan man. And a Michigan man does everything that he does is for his team and for when he leaves to have that title as a Michigan man. And so when you're 18, you know, I, I played in front of maybe 6,000, 7,000 people in high school. In the first game at University of Michigan, 106,000 people were playing against Miami. Like, it's a totally different world. And, you know, there was this saying, you can't make the club in the tub. So you, you never wanted to be hurt. You never wanted to be injured. You never wanted to have a reason to not be on that practice field because if you weren't on the practice field, you weren't going to play. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and I mean, that's that's pretty common from what we've heard is that, you know, if you were on the injury list, then you were almost in the doghouse, right? Because I guess Bo wanted his guys healthy. He wanted them out on the field and obviously producing. Um you know, given what you said, I think it's really interesting that, you know, the, the, the common theme seems to be that you were sold, you know, not just a great education and not just being able to be a part of a great institution, but you were also sold on the medical care you were going to get. Um, and, and it seems like a lot of people at the time weren't aware that they were being sexually assaulted. I know that that was the case for Chuck. Sounds like that was the case for you. At what point in time did you realize you know, whether it was while you were at the University of Michigan after your time there, did you realize that it wasn't, in fact, a normal, you know, exam, but it was sexual assault? So um, one of my teammates sent me an email March 26th of 2020. It was two weeks to the day of my 50th birthday. And he, it was a pretty long email. Um, He writes the email. Then he calls me, he's like, have you read my email? I was like, no. He's like, all right, read it and call me back. So I read this email and he talks about the Kim Keslowski Detroit News article that came out in February. And then all the things that had happened since then. And then, so I call him and at this point I'm in disbelief. I'm like, really? Like, you know, so then you start to, you know, think about you know, your daily life at Michigan, which I hadn't done in 30 years. And I started talking to my friend and teammate and I and listening to his story and that story mimicked my story. And then we came to this revelation. It's like, man, you know what? We've been a victim, a victim of sexual abuse and rape. Like it was a very sobering time. And imagine realizing that at 50 years of age, and yeah. then you start to dig deep and then you start to see how insidious and how widespread that this, uh, you know, deep this rabbit hole went and how insidious the culture of cover-up and abuse was at Michigan. And you're literally the foundation from which bridged me from boyhood to manhood has now been shaken. Yeah. Yeah, and... and you said that this email that you received sort of, you know, kind of took you back and made you reevaluate some things that happened and it all started to click. A lot of the things that we hear from former players is that, 
you know, even at the time, they may not have known that it was sexual assault, but that this was, you know, quote unquote, the worst kept secret, you know, around campus or particularly within um, the athletic department that Dr. Anderson was sort of, you know, I think he was called referred to as Dr. Anal or, you know, they had different names for him. When you were a player, did, did you hear any of this? Was was any of this going on while you were around? The only thing that I ever heard was Paul Schmidt, who is now the associate athletic director, who was the, um, you know, assistant trainer and then trainer, would just make comments about take your medicine or they'd laugh or whatnot because nobody wanted to go to the doctor. So it was always in a situation where you're trying to get, you know, out to practice. You know, you hated to be in the training room for any period of time other than getting your ankles taped, but you would hear things. But no one ever talked about it. No one ever. The, the first time I specifically heard one of my teammates tell me about the details of their experience, I was 50 years old. Yeah. So, so no, no actual conversations. Maybe some some things in passing here or there, like you said, from the trainer saying a little thing, a quip here or there, but no actual like, is this happening to you? Because this is happening to me, and it's it's not. I don't know what's going on. Nothing like that. No, no, I, I never heard any specifics while I was at Michigan. Okay. How how do you how common do you think that is that a lot of the people in your situation didn't realize what was happening until long after? I think it's very common because I think you know the biggest thing about being at Michigan and those in that era was you don't admit weakness, you don't succumb to pain. It's all about you know pushing yourself past the limits of what you believe that you could do or be to meet the standards that were set by the men that came before you and by the men that are there and by the coaching staff. You know, Bo was a very, you know, he might've been short in stature, but he was a larger than life human being. Yeah. And I'm sure that, that, you know, obviously I think that that, based on what we heard today played a large part in, in sort of what happened. Um, you had, you had actually made um, a pretty bold statement and I'm, I'm going to read it. I think I've got it word for word, but today during the press conference, you said that this was the largest, most insidious conspiracy to cover up rape, sexual abuse, grooming and gaslighting of the truth in the history of sports, which is a, a, a pretty big statement. Um, I'm curious what you say to the folks who think that this is nothing more than a money grab or a shot at 15 minutes or, or anybody else who dismisses what this is actually about? Well, I can only speak for myself, okay? Um, like we talked about earlier, I had a pretty successful career at Michigan. I led the league in kickoff returns. I'm still in the record books in the NFL. I don't need 15 minutes of fame. What I do need as a man is to control the narrative and to not be dehumanized and referred to as John Doe. That's not my name. That's not who I was. And while I was there, you didn't call me John Doe. That's one. Two, why would anyone, male or female, want to carry the scarlet letter of rape victim on their chest? Like there's, there, like, there's no money in the world that can get back the life 
that's taken in these repeated sexual abuse. And two, we're talking about a dead man and we're talking about statues and things of that nature when you've got potentially thousands, right? Now look at what has happened, right? Look at how the University of Michigan has responded. They sent out 60, almost 7,000 letters to every athlete that came through the program during this time. And in the middle of a federal lawsuit, they sent out 300,000 letters between email and letters to see what the potential victim pool is. And so if you look at Nasser, if you look at Ohio State, if you look at these other um, uh, uh, instances of abuse at these other institutions, the amount, I mean, right now we're at 850 and climbing. I think it's going to end up in the thousands. You find me another sport. At, I mean, we're talking of one man. Yeah. That was, you know, that was insulated, that was empowered to feast on teenage men and women for four fifths of my life. And yeah. you tell me, and, and, and you, you, you name something that was larger than that. And then on top of it, there's been a cover up and an enablement that has gone on for 50 some odd years because the university is still covering things up. Yeah. And that's, that's, I want to, I want to get to that in a minute in terms of like what, what you're asking for from the university. Um, but you did, you did mention that, um, you know, people are talking about statues while, you know, there's, there's, there's bigger issues that are happening. And, and I think Chuck actually said the same thing, you know, unfortunately he figured out that he had prostate cancer after avoiding the doctors for a number of years and come to find out that if they had gotten to it sooner, you know, maybe his outlook would be a little bit different. And, and, and he said very emotionally that, you know, people are talking about statues or names on buildings and I've got friends that are dying and I've got friends that are going through things from, from the from the outside looking in. It seems like a lot of the conversation within the fan base has surrounded, you know, Bo Schembechler, Bo's statue and Bo's legacy within the university. I get that that is a not a not the biggest part of what's going on, but how much of those things, like for instance, if the university of Michigan doesn't take down the statue or doesn't, you know, sort of rebrand or rename buildings, how much of that is a part of your healing process or the healing process of the victims? Well, it it doesn't, for me, it doesn't change because you already allowed and covered up, you know, I should have never met Dr. Anderson. So my feelings will never change about what that university put me through. If you want to change, that's not my call to change names and pull down statues. What does that do? That doesn't, that doesn't erase the rapes. That doesn't erase the thousands of victims pain and everyone deals with something in a different way. And I think what most people don't realize, um, when it comes to sexual abuse of any kind, including rape, that global statistics, most individuals don't even acknowledge or speak out about 
their abuse until they're in their 50s. Yeah. Right? Like, the human brain is really good at burying things, right? And, you know, you learn early on in football that from your first play, you're going to be hurt for the rest of your career. There's some pain you're going to have to play through and mentally toughen up and get through. So when you are trained to compartmentalize things, that doesn't mean that at some point in time, you're not going to deal with them, right? And it's funny to me, and I, and I, I don't say this arrogantly, but facts are facts. Not everybody could run the football for the University of Michigan. But in this day and age of Twitter and you know these internet and keyboard bullies, everybody's got a everybody's got a say. Everybody's picking sides. But what I ask, you know, it's a very simple question. What if the tables were turned? And what if this was you? How would you want people to respond if you were the one that was injured? Yeah. But until you could fill my shoes and go what I went through to play and excel at the University of Michigan, I I don't, I really don't give it any credence because it doesn't directly affect my life. And I understand that sports and icons and the problem is to, we make gods of men. Like just because you're a great coach and we've seen this over and over and over again, doesn't mean you're a good man or a great man and doesn't mean that you're infallible like you don't make mistakes or you don't have a dark side mm-hmm. yeah you know it's 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 interesting yeah i had a quick question just it was it was directly related to something that john just said john if you know you we before we started talking on camera we i mentioned something about how unfortunate this is that this has turned into like a team bow versus team victims thing. Like, I don't really know how it got to that point. It's really strange to me. Um, but, I, but as someone who's approaching this incredibly level headed for what you've went through and what, you know, what this means to you personally, if you could get all these people in a room, you know, the, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, but the team bow people versus the team victims people, they were in a room and you heard some of the things that they were saying back and forth to each other. I mean, it is downright, it's nasty. It's I mean, it is, it's disgusting in some instances. What if you were, if you had the, if you had the floor, if you had the podium and you were in front of all these people together, what would you say to people who are clearly on very different sides of an issue that doesn't, that really shouldn't have sides in the first place? Well, you know, there's a quote that I live by um, that Muhammad Ali once said. Is that a man at 50, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, a man at 50 that looks at life the same way he did at 20 has wasted 30 years. The problem is, and, and I hear this chatter, that I look at Michigan for what it was at every stage of my life that it is, right? I'm a 50-year-old man. I don't think about my time at Michigan like I did wide-eyed and naive, like at 18. So at some point in time, we've got to... (sighs) We've got to stop this infighting because ultimately the alumni of any big 
college football program is the lifeblood, right? Like you have to give homage to the ones that came before for the ones that are there now and the ones that are to come. Like we are destroying our alumni associate. I've never seen it as I, I, I told someone today, I've never seen it as fractured as it is. And I think it's the chasm is getting so wide that it will never, ever be healed because people will go to their grave, you know, on this team bow, you know, you know, you know team bow, team not bow, you know, right? Like to me, that's ludicrous. Like, how are you picking sides on and then forgetting that we're having this the genesis of this conversation is because there were teenagers that were raped and people knew about it and didn't do anything. And I think that there's a misconception. I don't hate Bo. I still love my relationship with Bo. I still love the one-on-one conversations we had that have helped me and that helped me transition from boy to man. And there's still things that Bo has said to me 30 some odd years ago that I still carry in my life today. I forgive Bo. I hope Bo has peace. But bottom line is right is right and wrong is wrong. And these are Bo's words. Mm-hmm. Do right always. Like those are your words. So if unless we're going to be in a society of do as I say, not as I do, I cannot support that side of Bo Schembechler. Can I support him as one of the iconic coaches in college football history? Absolutely. Is he responsible for the fact that we still are the winningest program in college football in his years at Michigan? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have flaws and that there weren't decisions that were made that put, you know, once again, these are his words. In a 1982 recruiting video, he said the number one way that a football program can be judged is by its effect on its student athletes. That was on your watch. And so you can either believe that or not, but I'm not going to get in an argument about statues and, well, you don't love Bo or this and that and all that. I think the thing about great coaches is they have individual relationships with all their players. And don't let anybody tarnish your relationship, you know, with him or be swayed because you just either don't want to believe it or don't believe it. That's up to you. That's your choice. I know what happened to me. I have looked extensively at all of the records and all the conversations and, you know, gone deeper than this, you know, tip of the iceberg that has been covered thus far. And can tie Bo to knowing about Anderson years before I should have ever, ever, ever got to Michigan. So I should have never met him. Yeah. So all these arguments about he didn't have power and he was an employee and all that stuff. When I got to Michigan, Bo was not only head coach and the athletic director. Yeah. And it's been proven in the, you know, 
the subpar William Hill report that, you know, at least from the victim standpoint, that all the information wasn't in that report. But yeah. it did prove that Bo knew well before several people were victimized. Yeah, I think yeah. I think a lot of people who are taking that that technicality route about him being an employee versus like <laughs> I said that I said this on I was on a radio spot today. I'm like, if Bo wanted to shut down an entire city block in Ann Arbor for something to do with football, he could have done it. Like it's like Absolutely. I, I, I just Absolutely. really think people are trying to look for those technicalities because they don't want to believe it. And and there's a lot of people that don't want to believe it. I understand that his family you know, they, they, they released the letter, you know, this is the father we knew, this is the husband that we knew. Like, I, I get it. And it's exactly what you're saying. Those one-on-one relationships that he had with people are were real. They were they, they, they took place, they happened. But the bottom line and what you, what you said earlier today and what you just said I think is so powerful that if he had done something more, you never would have crossed paths with Dr. Anderson. And that, that, that must just – the way you talk about it and how you said you have peace now, like you're a better yeah. man than me, man. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I hope, I hope by the time I hit 50, I have that kind of, uh, I have that kind of, uh, of peace and things that have happened in my past. Cause that's really commendable. And I, I, I can't believe that you're, you can talk about it the way that you can. Well, I, I'm not going to say that I don't have my bad days and I don't have my yeah. moments and you know, that I'll probably be in therapy for the rest of my life. Right. Um, but, there's also a point where, you know, I think what we tend to do is we want to take the poison expecting the other person to die or feel the pain. Like that does, you know, that's not healthy for me. That's not healthy for my environment and my community. So I'm all about how do we make change? Because as the more people that do not want to come to the realization that this has happened, it will continue to happen, right? And right now in the Big Ten, five of 14 schools have had sexual abuse and rape cases. So it's a problem. It's an epidemic Mm -hmm. in the Big Ten. It's an epidemic in the NCAA. When are these governing bodies going to step in? When are the, the 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 sponsors and the networks going to step in and say, hold on, there's a problem. We must do something to change because I've always felt, and this is my philosophical view, and I've been all over the world playing sports and listening to music. I think music and sports are the two global equalizers of communities. And they're the most purest form of gathering, right? You might speak 10 different languages in a room, but you play a song and everybody rallies around it or everybody rallies around their team. The purity of sport is being decimated because of these abuse cases. These are atrocities. Like right now, you know, I'm in the process of writing a book and working on a couple of documentaries and just in the research, like fathom this. One man, Dr. Anderson, like our numbers, the floor of our numbers is that he committed at least 30,000 instances of sexual abuse and rape. 30,000. Over the course of 40 some odd years, it was not just with the 
students at Michigan. It was with when he was doing things to get people out of the military. It was the yeah. uh, FAA, the pilots. It was the high school students that he's doing a free clinic. This man was a serial predator that was enabled by hundreds of individuals. That's a problem. Like, and if you yeah. can not at least admit that it's a problem and he wasn't a lone ranger, there had to be help at every level. Like we call them the armies of enablers and it's plural armies because it's at every level within these institutions that protect one person. Yeah. Like all these names are being, being brought up because of one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the collateral damage for something like this, I think, you know, to your point, 30,000 instances of sexual assault, you know, that, that, you know, it could be more. Um, I just, I, I think sometimes people fail to grasp, you know, just what this does, not to just one individual, but how this affects a community and a group of people. And it's, it's really something that, you know, that people struggle with. And I think you said, you know, you made, um, you know, another powerful statement today, and I'm going to read it. You know, you said today, um, we go from victims who suffered through abuse to survivors who take action. And, and, and people often ask like, well, what do these guys want? What are they hoping to get at this point? And you were very specific. You had three action items for things that you wanted to see. Um, and the first one that I have here was that you wanted the university of Michigan, the big 10 conference and the NCAA to contribute. Uh, I think it was $50 million each, right? $150 million total for seed money for a nonprofit organization. Can you speak a little bit to, you know, what the reasoning is behind that and what you would hope to see? Well, I just looked at the number of schools in the Big Ten, the number of atrocities, and what it's going to take to have a independent organization to fast-track maturity to stop so many um, of these atrocities. I mean, we're talking about research, we're talking about support, we're talking about therapy, we're talking about education. I think we need to do more education. I've talked to several mothers and fathers that have either had highly recruited athletes or in the recruiting process, and they had no idea that these things happened or could happen or possibly did happen to their children. We need to change the dynamics of new sports and have the money go to something good. And so this is just a um, conversation that I've been having with different organizations that have a global reach that realize that football, one of the, you know, greatest sports in the world from a, a revenue standpoint could be leaders right and affecting change and that 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 change is going to be can be um, made through a capital investment and an independent organization that polices organizations that have shown that they cannot police themselves yeah yeah, uh, and and 
I, th- I think that's a phenomenal idea. The, the next point that you made, I was, uh, you know, in, in terms of your action items, I wanted to get some clarification on because you had said that you wanted access to the documents and the medical records. Is that something that's being denied to survivors right now from the University of Michigan? Yes. If you look at, uh, so I can't remember the gentleman's name. It will come to me. But there was in 2018, I think it was a gentleman out of, he was one of the first survivors to, and he was looking at his medical records in a photo. He was out of somewhere in LA, I think. Right? And those, so he had those medical records. Like what, let, let, let's go back and talk about this. In 1993-94, they bought Robert Anderson's private practice. Right. There was an andrology study. There was a sperm count study. There was sperm taken for different ailments and things of that nature. I have tried to find where's the chain of custody. And I know other players that were subjected to his study from your sperm count, how high performance athletics you know, affected your sperm count from your freshman year to your senior year. And where is that sperm? Where is my DNA? Where is the, you know, the records of the test? You know, why, why can't I get those things? Why were those records destroyed? Why do you no longer have them? Why aren't we given access? Like these are my, so you can't, you know, if you know anything about, you know, HIPAA and, uh, you know, and privacy laws when it comes to medical, if I am the patient, I should have full access to my records. It's not that very difficult. But at every turn, that's where I was talking about. This is cover up at every turn. Yeah. Well, that's, and, you know, the smoke and mirrors or you letting Harbaugh talk in a press conference or, you know, now it's uh, bowls, statues, da 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 like, No, that's not the issue. The issue is that there were civil and human rights violations. There were sexual abuse that ran rampant in so many different areas in the institution and you're actively villainizing the victims as well as making these vanilla, non-impactful and non-individual apologies. If you're gonna apologize for me, one, like I said, say my name and tell me what you're apologizing for. Right, and stop giving all these caveats about, well, you know, this is a man that only worked till 2003 and he died in 2008 or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's like, we're sorry we got caught, but that's really not our problem. Yeah. You know, it's like everything you say up until but really doesn't matter anymore because you, you know, qualified it with a but. Yeah. All right, Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to, put something out there because it's one of these it's one of these questions that just keeps getting brought up over and over and over again and john okay. again 
this these are the kinds of things we've been seeing on social media and that people who just for some reason can't can't grasp the concept of what's going on here um i will give this guy credit at least he's got his name attached to it i don't maybe it's not his real name but anyway we'll we'll throw it up there he wants to know um you know there's not eight i'll put the question right on the screen there's not 850 people saying bo knew it's only four and i just keep coming back to like how many do you need like, okay, four, it was two the other day because there were two guys and, and then Matt Schembechler in the press conference, so three people. Now there's other people saying it today. I'm sure there's going to be more people by the end of next week and by the end of the month and by the end of July. I mean, it's just there's going to be numbers of people coming out saying that Bo 100% knew, and again, it's not about Bo. It's not all about Bo. There's a lot of other people involved here, but this is one of the most frustrating questions I, I see, and I'm not even involved in this thing. It's like I don't know why – like this person asks, there's only four. Okay, well, would would ten be enough? Would fifteen be enough? Do you need fifty? Do you need a hundred people to say that Bo knew? And they ask for real proof, as if what people are saying isn't proof enough because there's not like a photo, a video, or an audio recording of this stuff going on. I just get, I just get really frustrated reading these over and over again because I can't believe that that's that people need something like that to just believe what victims are saying. Horrible things happen to them. I mean, you know, first of all, I, I mean, you know, everybody's feelings are valid, but that question is ludicrous because what difference does it make how many people said Bo knew? If, if one person said that Bo knew. So, you know, now my rebuttal to that is the Wilma Hill report, which was paid for and written for the university, said that Bo knew. Why are you not talking about that? You're talking, like, why is it that, once again, victims are being villainized? Because the report that the school, Michigan, paid for and conducted said, Bo knew. Yeah. Why is that not an argument? That's a report that the school paid $5 million for. Why aren't you going to the Board of Regents and having these questions? Why are you now attacking the victims? Like That's the thing that kind of blows me away. But bottom line is, you weren't there. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is quite strange that, you know, given the scope of what occurred, you know, 850, you can go 900, you know, it could be in the thousands of people that were sexually assaulted that – it seems like if Bo Schembechler wasn't part of this equation, that the support for you guys would probably be far more strong, stronger than it is right now, right? It seems like people are more, at least some people are more interested in defending Bo Schembechler than they are in acknowledging the scope of what happened at the University of Michigan. And I think from a personal standpoint, I struggle to come to terms with that. I'm sure, you know, somebody in your position, I don't know how much time you spend thinking about that. Um, but it's it's just a really strange reaction from the fan base. I, I get why it's happening. I get that Bo Schembechler was Michigan football for a lot of people. But to just sort of brush aside almost a thousand people who went through something um, and, 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 you know, try to – discredit everything that they have to say in defense of one man. It just seems ludicrous to me. I mean, do you think about that at all? Is that something that registers with you or, or are you not well, even, you know, in that mindset? I've had death threats. I've had threats. 
I've had attacks on my characters. I've had videos made by ex-teammates slandering me, um, making, you know, comments that were 100% false um, out there in the public domain. So this this whole notion of Bo knew or didn't know, I mean, that's the least of my worries. Yeah. Um, you know, here's a, you know, here's a George Orwell quote. And I, I love to be inspired by different quotes because they're so apropos. It's like when a society gets so far from the truth, I mean, this is once again a paraphrase. When a society gets so far from the truth, they tend to hate the people that speak it. Right. Yep. And whether Bo's alive or dead, that's not the issue. Bottom line is I've been consistent. I've been 100% honest. So if so many people that I know, they're just telling the truth of their experience at the hands of a serial rapist and an organization that enabled and were complicit for 50 years. That's it. Like, bottom line, that's what we're doing. We're just telling our truth and controlling our narrative. Because if you listen to the narrative of the Bo apologists or the university, you know, our credibility is coming into question. Why are we, you know, talking about the credibility of an institution that is constantly, last six years, rated as the number one public university in the world? But right now, your leaders invest also in cover-up and rape mm-hmm. of student-athletes and students. Why aren't we talking about that? Yeah. Let's not be blinded by, you know, that saying, let's not be blinded by the lights of the big house. Because no one, unless you played there, and this is truly what I believe, I don't think anybody that's covered this, and this is no disrespect, until you walk those steps of Schembechler Hall and you go through the practices and the coach buddy and the training and you line up with those 100 men in those battles against Ohio State and Michigan State and Notre Dame and you play in the Rose Bowl against USC and you do what you have to do running Michigan Stadium over the summer and running, going on tour, and lifting weights, and going to class, until you walk that walk, your opinion of one, what it took us to overcome in all areas, to wear and wear proud that I'm a Michigan man, your words fall, you know, on deaf ears. Yeah, that's... I don't. I don't have anything to add to that. I think that that is, it. you know, that is a, a more than fair point. And the last thing, the last thing, and I, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do think it's important. I want to get to this third action item uh, that you put out there this afternoon because, again, I, I think it's important. You're calling on the University of Michigan to cooperate with an independent investigation uh, by Attorney General Dana Nessel. Um, can you can you speak to I know that the 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 Wilmer Hale report you think that that came up woefully short. Can you speak to you know not only the importance of an independent investigation with the AG, but what you would hope would come of something like that? I would hope that 
since we just barely scratched the surface and we've covered and what has been uncovered is the tip of the iceberg is that the entire truth come out because this truth is like a cancer the only way is either to burn it out or to cut it completely out because if you do not the cancer will grow back and this system of institutional complicity and enablement that allows a culture of abuse and rape will continue and it will jump from school to school to school to school and before you know it we will be desensitized as a population and dehumanize student athletes they have no voice they have no say they're just a number so until yeah. there is full transparency there will always be enablement complicity and abuse point well taken um I got I got just one more question for you and then I'll hand it over to Brandon if he's got anything that that he wants to finish up with but you know honestly you know you're you're obviously you're living your life you know you're doing your thing I'm just curious what impact has all of this you know had not just on your life but on your thoughts on the University of Michigan overall um, I was asked this question today, would I still like to go to the Muni University of Michigan? And I said, yes, because I believe that we can change the world. I still have hope. I still have hope in, you know, the human, you know, element, right? Um, I think there are some flaws. And I think that attitude reflects leadership. And there needs to be some new leadership at every level. Um, but I think it's the greatest college that I could have chosen to go to. I still believe that there were definitely flaws. You win games, you lose games. But we're just in the first quarter in this. So I'm not going to give up on the university. I think they still have a chance to right this ship and be leaders in best in eradicating abuse in sports. Yeah. I just had one last thing, um, kind of piggybacking off that third action item, you know, wanting an, invest, an in, independent investigation to kind of, I mean, look at everything. I mean, at this point, it needs to be everything. And, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, Bo has passed and um, Canham has passed and Dr. Anderson's obviously dead. But there's a lot of people who were involved and in positions of power that are still alive. And one of them was yes. another head coach that you had, correct? Gary Moeller and Lloyd Carr, other prominent names among Michigan football and, and people within the athletic department and all over the place. People who, if, if we said their names, most Michigan fans wouldn't even know who they are. But the point is that right. there were a lot of people involved. I just wonder where you fall on, you know, do, you know, does, uh, you know, guys like, like Gary Moeller and Lloyd Carr who are in their eighties now and have, you know, their own, sets of issues going on. I know Gary Moeller's not of the best health these days, and Lloyd Carr has dealt with pretty incredible tragedies over the last year or two. Like, how 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 deep of a dive do you want this investigation to be, and is, is, it, is it everybody? I mean, do they need to turn over every single stone, which would include guys like that, that Michigan fans absolutely know who they are? Absolutely, because if you think about it, you know, for instance, Paul Schmidt, 
was associate athlete, you know, he's now the associate athletic director, been at the university 35 years. But I and others will tell you that Paul Smith was the gatekeeper to go see Dr. Anderson. So absolutely. Why should anybody, like if we're going to be put on trial as victims, then everybody should be put on file, on, on, on trial just as well. It should be an even playing field. When you've got people making comments like Brad Stetter did last week about his credibility should be better than anyone else's, and then he tried to say that a player was ejected from the team or kicked off the team because of drugs, what does that have to do? So even if that is true, what does it have to do with the fact that this player was raped? Zero. 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 Yeah, right. That's and that, so I think that. the only way is to give all the information that's laid out for everybody to see, but making such damaging statements and doing such damaging things on half the information. Because here's the thing: the only people who have all the information is Michigan. But I can yeah. tell you this, and 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 I and and I put my name on this is that in this process of finding my voice and speaking my truth and healing and the work that I've been doing and researching to write my book, I can tell you right now that I have a lot more than the Wilma Hale report let out. So I know that there's more truths to be told. And so does Michigan. And you're just, and you're just yeah. one you're just one guy. I mean, so you, yeah, yeah, I'm just one guy, and I don't have a five million the, dollar budget to just throw at it. That's the yeah. craziest part about it. I, I remember you said something like that earlier today, and I was like, I hadn't really thought of it that way. Like, okay, yeah, this this Wilmer Hale company, they put a lot of money into it. I'm sure a lot of time, a lot of very smart people. But when you're talking about eight or nine hundred people or a thousand people who all have their own story, like that, two hundred and forty page report can't can't touch the amount of information that actually is out there and that exists it's especially when i was yeah. never contacted my law firm was never contacted by william hale to be a part of this report mm-hmm. yeah so just yeah. that in itself shows that they didn't want all the information out there yeah yeah release well, christian's deposition that he had to yeah. do over nine hours yeah yeah I mean, Brad. I think I, 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 is it, was there a question that came through Brandon? What's that? Was there a question that came through? I thought that was what you were going through. Uh, I mean, there's, there's been quite a few different ones, but we'll, we'll leave them for him now. I, I guess yeah. John, where, where we'll leave this is man. I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and I know it's not easy. Uh, I certainly know it's not easy, but you know, I, I think you're you're involved in something that's so much bigger than you, and I think that you get that. And I just want to say, from a personal standpoint, I appreciate what you're doing. I know there's a lot of people out there making a lot of noise that would make it seem that you know everybody's against you, but I promise you, there's a lot more of us that are in your corner yeah. and rooting for you, and this, that are this guy, dude. I'm sorry, but like. <laughs> Again with another don't, comment. Don't give, don't give him. Don't give him the airtime. Please don't give him the airtime. I just need Here's to see some. I just need to see some evidence. He said, "Get the uh, dude." Like, I'm so, I'm right. sorry, John. I'm I'm well, <laughs> just well, well, the stupidity me, is get just. My medical records. I will definitely release them to the public. But here's the thing about everybody against you. 
you go down and play in Notre Dame, you go up and play in Ohio State, you go to Michigan State. This pales in comparison. Once you learn how to do that and thrive and be successful, me against the world, that's the way Bo trained us. We would go down to Notre Dame, as he said, for an invasion. We're going (laughs) down south, and we're going to be the only ones that love us. And that's fine. Yeah. Circle the ragging mentality is what you, you you were bred for. Yeah. Like I was built for this. That's yeah, that's, that's I mean, that's awesome, man. And like I said, you know, we're we're obviously uh, we're in your corner. And I will say, uh, you know, we talked to I heard you say something during the press conference today that really caught my ear. And, and Chuck said something similar the last time uh, we had him on. I think at some point here, as we get closer to the fall, we're going to have you and Chuck back on because, (laughs) you know, this is one topic, but we got to talk football at some point and what's going on with the program and the state of the program and when and if they're ever going to beat Ohio State again. You know, we got to have those conversations, too, because I think, you know, between us three and if we add Chuck into the equation, it sounds like we're all in the same boat that, we don't. you know, I was going to say both you and Chuck offered up an opinion that you were not prompted (laughs) to give and it was pretty consistent. So. (laughs) We found that pretty. We found that pretty. uh, Pretty entertaining. I mean, you you know, you know when you get a laugh. Continue to talk, back it up. Yeah, that would be one of them. That would be one of the one of the approaches. Yeah. 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 So we we can we can have a very candid conversation there too. But like I said, I just want to say you know thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely. We we absolutely appreciate you. We're in your corner. If there's ever anything you need or anything you think we can help with, give me a shout. We're happy to do it. I really appreciate it. Anytime you guys need me, let me know. Anytime you want me to reach out to any other players that you want to speak to on or off camera, just let me know. Like, you know, it's going to take our five stones. And I keep saying, like, in journalistic integrity and journalists like you all are, are, are one of the five stones to beat Goliath. So I really appreciate the opportunity um, and believing um, in my truth and believing in so many others truth. So, you know, this fight isn't over. We're in the first quarter and uh, let's just go run the ball. Right on. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. We leave it there. Yeah. Yeah, That's a, that's a great way to start. Actually, I'll I'll ask a quick quick question. You've said that a couple of times, John, I'm curious, man. And you may have no way of answering this question. You said this whole situation, we're in the first quarter right now. I mean, is it even like, can you even fathom, like how it how it does end or how long it takes or what kinds of things will will, okay absolutely and i will tell you this like i'm on the back nine of my life but i'm gonna make it the best nine and this is not gonna be over and i'm rallying a team and joining organizations that we will not stop until and and i've heard from people from the four corners of earth telling me their abuse stories you're not gonna Mm -hmm. stop until abuse is eradicated in sports and then we might tackle the rest of the world but we're definitely going to you know our job will be done game will be over fat lady will sing when the abuse is eradicated from all sports well it's it's clear that something is needed there because this is an issue that unfortunately continues to show up all across at least the country from you know from a college football standpoint or college athletics you know we see it happen everywhere and uh it's clear that something needs to be done. And, and I think John, you made a good point that the, the institutions in place just haven't proven that they can take this on. And so, so it might be time to look at this a little bit different. And I think what you're doing is a great thing. 
Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, John. All right. All right. Thanks so much, John. We'll talk to you soon. All right. right. Bye-bye. We will let John go, and we can continue to just kind of put a, you know, wrap this thing up real quick. But, I mean, man, it's it's another – it's another – I mean, I, I feel the same way right now I did after feeling the Chuck. It's the, it's the same thing. You, I don't know how anybody can listen to any of these people talk and and have any bit of like, well, I need a little more. I, I, need, I need some more. I, I, don't, I, I can't fathom that thought process. No, and I can't I, do it. I, I think the people that are still there will never get to a point where enough is enough. And... <clears throat> You know, I really do wonder how different the reaction would be if Bo Schembechler weren't a part of the picture, yeah. right? If it was just almost a thousand people who went through this at the University of Michigan, if the tone from the fan base who claims they love, you know, the University of Michigan and the Michigan football program would rally behind these guys instead you- of trying to make them out to be you know, like these evil, I mean, you listen to a guy, we were there in person today. We listened to John talk. That dude is about as straightforward and as honest as it gets. And if he's not send him to Hollywood because that is, that is, <laughs> he's that better is than like, Denzel. That's a, that's a phenomenal <laughs> performance. I just, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, I, I get that for some people, it's never going to be enough and trying to convince those people or talk to those people. You just waste a lot of energy doing it. But I, I would encourage you know, the people that support these these guys and these players and the individuals coming forward, like, speak up. Rally behind them. Like, th- if there is a time to do it, this is the time to do it now because a lot of the people that are pushing back are some of the most vocal people out there. Yeah. Um, and, and It seems like that's the bigger group, but I don't yeah. think it's even close. I don't like, think it's close either. It's, it's not even close. I mean, you yeah. you see that in every walk of life, man. I mean, you go, you know, you go stay at a, you go stay at a hotel or something and you have a pretty good experience and you go check the reviews online and it's like 50, like worst hotel I've ever been at. Never going there again, burn the place down. And it's like, well, dude, I, I was just there. It's not that bad, but it's like yeah. when you go to a place and you have a average to above average time, there, you don't feel the need to run to a computer and talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's like that with everything. It's like that with everything. The small minorities, the small the small minorities are often the most vocal for whatever reason. And like I said the other night, every every jabroni that has something to say to me on Twitter, I go to their page. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. They're all the same dude. Like I don't care to ever talk to you for real in my life. Like I I can't stand people like you. You just have an open door to interact with me on Twitter. Otherwise, I would never interact with a person like you in my life. And that's like yeah. you're not going to change that guy. So, I, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, as we were walking away from the from the media thing today, I'm like, all right, let, let, let's pretend we're one of these dum-dums who thinks that these guys are lying. Why the hell would John come up with 45-plus times as the lie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why, you know, we've seen that before with other people. Like, well, if you went back 15 times, he must have liked it. Seriously, walk off a cliff somewhere and never talk to anybody but, ever again. Like, but, just leave the planet. But think it's, about it's crazy, it, though. Dude. The, the reason why people are doubting somebody like John is because of Bo Schembechler. Because yeah. Bo Schembechler is a part of the equation. If Bo Schembechler is not part of the equation, I don't think these same folks are pushing back against John. And I think that is proof in and of itself that a lot of this pushback has to do with records, wins and losses, and what you've seen on a highlight film and quotes you have hanging up on your wall. It's not based in reality. It's not based in the fact that 
humans are flawed and you, you know, somebody can be a phenomenal football coach, a phenomenal husband, a great father. And they can also be other things as well. Like, mm-hmm. like the two aren't mutually exclusive. There, There's, you know, people aren't, it's, it's just not that straightforward. And my hope, like I said, is I'd really like to see people start to, you know, if you support these guys, speak up, let it known, uh, because they sure as hell need it. And, from everything it looks like this is going to be a fight with the university of michigan it you know if if everything continues as what we've heard from harbaugh brandstatter from you know the president of the university of michigan i don't i don't know how quickly this is going to come to a resolution but i think the more people speak up and the more people rally behind these guys the the quicker we're going to get to where we want to be bobby just just turn it off bro (laughs) <laughs> I don't. I mean, just turn it off. I'm. I'm done. Look, I'm done reading the the just the utter stupidity. I'm just. I'm done with it, man. See, again, comes mentions my age. Dude, I'm not 11. I'm about to be 37 years old, man. Like you look kind of young. You probably don't know. I I got something for you. I got something for you. If you think I'm not old enough to speak on some things that are just clearly common sense to people who are like 15 years old. So anyway. Yeah. Poof, be gone, bro. I don't ever want to see you talk again. That's where I'm at with that. <laughs> so anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need you. I mean, you know, and and there's there's another part to this story that I think um, I don't know how long we want to go here, but I I do. Want yeah, we're least, we're getting ready to wrap her up. Yep. Yeah, I I do want to touch on one thing quick. Um, Goldman was his last name, correct? Richard Goldman. Richard, Richard Goldman. Mm-hmm. You know, again. Listen to what this guy had to say. This is a guy who does not hate Bo Schembechler. He does not have a vendetta against Bo Schembechler. In fact, he doesn't blame Bo Schembechler at all for he what was, happened. He was very direct in saying right, that. Correct. He yeah. doesn't he doesn't think it's fair, doesn't blame Bo Schembechler. And this guy says he didn't just tell Bo Schembechler once that it happened. He went to Bo three times and mm-hmm. told him it happened and then claims he heard an argument between Bo Schembechler and Don Canham arguing over Dr. Anderson. So I think we've officially reached a place now where the idea that Bo didn't know, that's gone, mm-hmm. right? So so everybody who said Bo didn't know, you know, I know that the goalposts are going to move and it's now he knew because I've already seen it on social media. Well, yeah, he knew, but he did what he was supposed to do by approaching Canham about it. Well, guess what? Bo was also the AD. He was in a position to do something about it. There's just, there's no way out of this thing yeah. that, that makes Bo Schembechler completely innocent. He's not the monster in the story, but guys, he's, he didn't do enough. I think, I, I think that's just clear to anybody paying attention and whatever the university of Michigan decides to do about that, they decide to do. But for me personally, I think it's clear he didn't do enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and same, same thing with Richard Goldman. If he, if he's, if he's lying, send him to Hollywood also. He'll be, he'll write some scripts, right? He'll, he'll write some scripts for John to act out on the screen. They'll both walk away with an Emmy. There um, you go. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just gotten to the point where, and we were talking to John about this before we st- before we went live. It's like, so yesterday the Bo apologists and everybody who just can't, can't fathom that this was, that this was going on said Bo didn't know. And now today, They've come around to like, well, he knew, but he did what he was supposed to. He he went right. and told he went and told the boss. He went and told Canham. So it's like the the goalposts are just going to keep moving for these people. Yeah. I, I don't know why. It's just it, I I don't I don't get it. I just don't I don't get it. I'm not really like that angry about it because I told you this before. Maybe we were on the live, or maybe it was just you and I talking. Like 
I, I don't know these victims personally. Like, it's terrible what you're hearing about, but I'm not really, like, emotionally invested in it. It's not like it's my right. family. Right. I just – I can't comprehend how some people are thinking about this the way that they're thinking. I just don't – I don't understand it. And, you know, like, like saying that you need – you need, let's just wait. Let's wait for some evidence. What what is what is all of this stuff? What do you call that? Right. Like what what is all this stuff then if it's not if it's not evidence and documentation and you know common and, sense that that what happened happened. And you would never say that if your sister, your mother, your brother, your daughter, your son came to you and said that this happened to them. The same people claiming they need more, my hope would be you wouldn't turn to those people you love and say, "Look, I'm going to need more evidence other than just you telling me what's going on. Like we've got it. We, we have to get out of this mindset that sexual assault victims carry a pen and paper and a camera and they document, they document it when it happens. And then as soon as it happens, they go right to their car and they drive to a police station. That's not how this works. And if you think that's how it works, you've got a lot of educating. You got to educate yourself. People have done studies on this. There are reports to read on why people don't report, why they wait to come forward. And if you look at the response from the general fan base, that's that's uh, proof in and of itself why people don't come forward. The I think John made a good point. He doesn't want to wear that scarlet letter. He's not. He this isn't something that. You know, he looked at it as like a cash grab and said, oh, yeah, I'll be a sexual assault victim if it, if it means a payday. This guy is an advocate. You know, he's out he's out trying to do big things to help sexual assault victim based on his experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think if you really listen to these people and you're listening with the intent to learn and to just really hear what they went through, you'll see that this is not about money. This is not about trying to be, bring down Michigan. This is this is about something much bigger, and, and I hope people just give them the time um, and the energy to listen, hear them out, and then rally behind them. There you have it. There you have it. Well, we're up over an hour again. Um, man, John, what a – just can't thank him enough. I mean, he just got, yeah. done, he just got done with a long day came off the golf course and was sitting in his car and spent damn near an hour with us so yeah that's incredible so really look forward to talking to him again obviously he's uh he knows a thing or two about toting the rock and about football and you know what what's going on with the program like i said it's funny that him and chuck both both had a little a little bit to say about harbaugh and what's going on when you know that's not what they were asked about um so that'll be cool. Hopefully we can bring him back on and talk a little ball when it gets to be that time. But if not, you know, we'll we'll do this until we don't need to do it anymore. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with this. You know, Chris, yep. you and I have talked about it a lot. We're not trying to be Dr. Phil. We're not trying to be, you know, uh, that, I mean, that's not why we started doing this job. But, like, you're just, you're just being disingenuous and lying to yourself and to your audience if you're not talking about this. There's, no, there's really no other way to approach it. So, but we'll see. I mean, if nothing else pops up, we're not going to spend another hour talking about it on Friday when we come back for the next live stream. But every time we've said that, <laughs> some other bomb has been dropped. And some every else, single time, something every else, single time. Does Brand Satter got an interview lined up tomorrow? Jesus Christ, I hope not. Well, we'll see what happens. Anyway, we will be back on Friday. We'll talk about whatever we need to talk about. If it's this, it's this. If it's not. Then we'll head into the weekend with a little bit more of a positive mind frame. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed John. Hope you enjoyed us as well. And we'll be back to see you on Friday. Friday.